Welcome to the It Is Better To Know podcast. This is Anne. I'm Valerie. And I'm Cecilia. This is a podcast where we use our expertise as pharmacists to break down relevant health topics and make them easier for you to understand. Now let's get started. You got me curious. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 40 of It Is Better To Know podcast. Thank you all for tuning in to this episode. It is a big 40. My name is Anne, and joining me are my two co-hosts, Cecilia and Valerie. Woohoo! The big four zero. Woohoo! I know. Can't believe it. Yeah, Just- and if you are a new listener, we love having you join us on this special episode. And just a reminder, if you have a topic that you want us to talk about, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and let us know. That's right. And just to clarify, uh, we're not turning 40. The podcast <laughs> is on episode 40. Oh, thank <laughs> you for far, clarifying We're that. far from 40. But yeah, we're you can only also, 21. Exactly. Yeah. So, just but 21. also you can um, DM us on Instagram as well to let us know if you have any topics you want to talk about. That's right. And for those of you who might not know, Cecilia is actually our social media guru. She's actually very good at getting back to you. Yep. She's very good at keeping that account alive. (laughs) So make sure you stop by and say hi to her. Occasionally me and Valerie check, but, you know, uh, we're not, you know, very active as much. So Mm. um, should we get on with today's topic then? Let's do it. Okay. Today... We are going to talk about what it's like being a pharmacist in Canada. Specifically, we're just talking about Canada. Since we can't really comment on what it's like being a pharmacist in the USA, that's a whole nother topic that maybe we'll get to down the road. Yeah, maybe we can invite a special guest on sometime. So if there's any pharmacists listening who are from the States or if you know anyone, hit us up. But Let's talk about um, before you can become a pharmacist, you need to do a few things first. So, of of course, you need to graduate from a pharmacy school. So make (laughs) sure you give our our previous episode a listen. Uh, And then you also need to write and pass the national board examination. So that's through the Pharmacy Examining Board of Canada. So usually we talk about it and we abbreviate it as the PEBC. And there's two parts, which is the written and also the OSCE section, which is made up of uh, clinical examination, like skills and, and little stations. And finally, you also need to complete your internship hours. And how many that is depends based on what province you're based out of. All right. And once you're past that hard part, it's time to pop that champagne bottle. It's time <laughs> to celebrate. Yes, let's celebrate, hey? <laughs> now you guys are pharmacists. Congrats. Yay. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> so what do we call us? Like drug experts? Or a healthcare professional, a vital member of the healthcare team. Or remember we talked about this last episode, a doctor of oh. pharmacy. Oh yeah, you're from D. Oh yeah, Dr. Cecilia. Yeah, don't call me that, please. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Cecilia, <laughs> Cecilia we help good. over here. <laughs> <laughs> you're on your own. <laughs> well, she's friends. a f- very friendly neighborhood pharmacist, doesn't want to be called doctor. She's very, very humble. Very humble, just like all of us. (laughs) You know what, though? With all the excitement that comes with graduating 
and uh, actually passing and getting that title of pharmacist, licensed pharmacist, don't forget that you'll actually still need to register for your respective college of pharmacy. You got to pay your fees. Remember, this is also a profession where you have to be committed to lifelong learning. There's a certain number of accredited or non-accredited learning units that you actually have to achieve on an annual basis, and you have to report that to your college. Uh, in in most cases, I would suspect it's pretty similar across all of uh, Canada. It certainly is the case in Alberta. So doing these continuous learning makes sure that we pharmacists actually stay on top of clinical practice guidelines in order to serve the community better. And it's, again, like I said, it's mandatory to renew your yearly license to fulfill that minimum number of continuing learning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, such a drag every year when we have to um, when we have to renew and we realize we have to document all the learning that we do. But uh, it's actually I, I find that in pharmacy at least it's it's very easy to do a lot of learning, right? Because um, mm-hmm. I find like for myself, I'm like, oh wow, I actually did do all of this learning. Now it's just time to document it. So yeah, so if, you know, if you don't see yourself liking learning and keeping on top of guidelines and having to uh, update your your knowledge every every so often, then this might not be the right profession for you. And I also just wanted to mention, nowadays, pharmacists have many more skills than just dispensing drugs. So another thing that pharmacists can offer, and actually this was uh, really brought to the forefront with COVID because we were very involved in, in the immunizations, is that we had to know how to give injections. So if you don't like needles or blood, then you might want to reconsider because this is another skill that a lot of pharmacists um, will offer these days. And with that being said, you also need to maintain up-to-date first aid and CPR as well. Yeah, it's definitely like a, a mandatory skill nowadays in order for you to be hired, like a lot of companies or you know, mm, they're looking for that. Yeah, exactly. That you should be able to do injection. Um, definitely. But, you know, regardless, with all this requirement, it seems like there's still a lot of people wanting to be a pharmacist. Um, because we mentioned in the last episode, we have in Canada, 10 schools in total. And, you know, every year we graduate about, you know, 1,383 pharmacists a year based on our last episode. So tune in if you want to hear more about that. And out of that 1,383 pharmacists, only 392 are French-speaking pharmacists. So we have a lot of pharmacists, um, you know, graduating every year. Yeah. So for like English-speaking pharmacists, that's 991 pharmacists a year. That's That's a lot. Exactly. So when you were giving me like roughly almost 1400 pharmacists a year, that's kind of mind boggling. And you think there must be enough demand for pharmacists that you can actually graduate that many every single year? Yeah, but wasn't there like, you know, back in 2000, there was like a shortage of pharmacists. So maybe maybe that's why they like, you know, increased a number of seats in the in the school. And now it seems to me like we have too many pharmacists. What do you guys think? Well, in 2000, that's before my time. I wasn't born yet. No. <laughs> Sorry, just kidding. I guess that was totally, the year I was totally born. You weren't born yet. Yeah, that's true. Actually, that's kind of scary, guys. People who are born in 2000 are, are like 21. 
exactly. At least. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's crazy. Okay, anyways. Um, I mean, that's our birth year, so whatever. But yeah, I think, uh, <laughs> you know, there's uh, been, there's also been an influx of like international pharmacists, right? So that probably helped meet that shortage of uh, pharmacists back then. And also, I think uh, more pharmacy schools actually opened to help meet the demand. But now with that being said, now we have more pharmacists than we have positions because we definitely don't have like 1400 positions across the country every year. I'm just going to say when when we graduated from pharmacy school already, it was kind of hard to find a job. Mm-hmm. So I agree. But it I'm, got harder with I, our, our year too. So Oh, definitely. Yeah. So those bygone stories of like, you know, the, the shortage of pharmacists and the increased amount of pharmacists uh, on pharmacists back then, back around like the early 2000 year, uh, those high salaries, those, those signing bonuses, I was like, what on earth? Like, there's nothing like that. It was very hard to, for, for myself to even find a job. Uh, I was lucky because I was actually filling in for a mat leave, but it was only part time. So it wasn't, you know, wasn't like the best scenario. Right. Yeah, especially in the city. Like, you know, if you want to stay in the city, um, it's, the it's competition definitely is definitely harder. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't seen any signing bonuses. Like, I haven't heard of any for for decades. So, and the salaries are definitely not as high compared to the rise in tuition. And we talked about this last episode as well. Like, the tuition costs are quite staggering now. So, the wages Mm. are the same, but tuition keeps going up and up, like even doubling or tripling. So, definitely not uh, remaining, you know, like in line with each other. Definitely. And, you know, I I don't know, like the thing about pharmacy is that uh, everyone thinks that we get paid very well, because I know, like, within some, some heard of my friends, lot. yeah, <laughs> within some of my mm-hmm. friends, they're always like, you're a pharmacist now, you treat us to dinner. And it's like, well, uh, <laughs> get <laughs> you know, out. Yeah, yeah, get out. Oh. So I'm, I'm not getting it. I'm not treating you to dinner. No, just kidding. But um, I have a friend who thinks I'm baller baller. Like he literally ooh. uses that word. Aren't you balling? I'm like, yeah, no, right? I'm actually not. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, I, I'm in quite a lot of debt. But <laughs> yeah, the thing about pharmacy is that, uh, you know, the tuition is so high that when most of us graduate, we are actually in quite a bit of student, uh, student loans, right? And even within like my group of friends right now, like some of them are still paying off their student loans, right? Especially people who have like completed um, more than two or three years of school pre-pharmacy, they uh-huh. have racked up quite a bit of debt. So, and, and also like we start out at a high rate compared to like other healthcare professionals, but um, unfortunately our wage kind of stays the same throughout. So there doesn't, we don't really get like a stepwise increase or if we do, it's not too much right so you start out at that wage and you kind of stay at that wage for until you retire pretty much what do you think valerie well like we kind of alluded to back then i'm sure you could have graduated and had multiple job offers um, from hospitals i actually remember um one of the pharmacists that i was speaking with i think she graduated probably uh maybe late 19 80s or so, but she was saying in the early 1990s, yeah, definitely hospital pharmacy. Um, they the wage was actually quite different. <laughs> it wasn't nearly as high as it was now, um, and there, but there were jobs. Um, That's what I heard too. It was actually easier back then to get a job to in get a hospital, hospital job. than uh, everybody in wanted to be in exactly. Community. Yes, really? which is quite the opposite wow. nowadays. Yeah, totally. 
So nowadays, the chance of you getting a job offer from a hospital with no experience is actually pretty low. And from what I mean from from experiences, a, a lot of uh, pharmacy students, they graduate, but they interview to try to get into what's called a residency program. So there, there's this rigorous clinical program that's geared towards um students who want pharmacists, essentially, because they have graduated and they have passed their um, pharmacy uh, licensing exams. But to uh, increase their, their the number of letters, I guess, b- beside their name, to get this residency, it pretty much guarantees you a spot in the hospital position. Otherwise, it's actually really difficult to get a hospital position now if you don't have advanced education like that residency um, or even PharmD. But even then, like there's going to be a new wave of pharmacy students and everyone's going to be graduating with PharmD, right? So it's just going to get more, more competitive. Um, it's, it's like, why are, why are people, so many people still choosing to go into pharmacy, right? Like now they're saying pharmacy just too saturated. You know, like, I, guess. I think it's like too, too saturated. Like they should do something about it. Like, you know, make some less amount of international pharmacists coming in you know, yeah. shutting down some school maybe? Or do you think this is like sustainable to have this many pharmacists graduating every year? I think they are actually making it harder for international pharmacists or at least making to the practice. standards. Yeah, making the standards higher to help maintain that uh, degree of competency. Uh, like for Alberta, for example, they came out with this new mandatory bridging program for international pharmacists that's going to be starting right away actually in the fall. So um, that that's at least uh, something that's hopeful um, that they're making these new standards so that the international pharmacists will be held to the same, the same, you know, like, uh, I guess, rigorous uh, standards that, uh, that we are. So, yeah. I don't know about shutting down schools. I don't, I think, don't that's think they would be. shut down schools. <laughs> yeah. that's they might take away bit... some positions, but maybe right? make it like, uh, like, make like a small amount of students. Decrease the number. Yeah. Yeah. Decrease the amount of yeah. seats. Exactly. That might be something that they could look at. I don't think they have done that though, right? Recently. No, I yeah. Do you know if more and more, I wonder if more and more people are just um, moving elsewhere to find jobs. You'd well, have, have to. You have yeah. to, like yeah. especially if you you want a job. More likely, mm-hmm. you have to go to a smaller town. Exactly. Um, but I mean, I guess there's also the older pharmacists that retiring, and but not so enough. All this new grads. You don't think it's enough? Then hey, I don't think so because like. Like we said, there's over 900 pharmacists graduating every year that, uh, you know, are coming from like from the schools. But there's definitely not 900 pharmacists retiring every year. Right. I remember when I was looking for well, when I was uh, wanting for a permanent position in my current job, um, I kept wishing for people to retire. But they don't there's not that many of them. So, <laughs> but you know, you know how I was thinking, like we discussed last episode that most of the the pharmacists are. 60% at least of women and mm-hmm. you know the women's going to go on mat leave like you know maybe 50% of them are going to go on mat leave right mm-hmm. so maybe that might opening up more position for you know new grads that's true because I don't un- yeah because like 900 grads coming out in you know in the English province at least that's a lot of um you know I people the, looking for jobs every right. year pretty much I guess the other thing is because you mentioned that the 
workplace and pharmacy is quite female dominated. Uh, the other thing is that a lot of people after they come back from that leave, they don't work full time, right? So um, a couple of mm. people could share a position. So that opens up more work as well, because we have we have quite a few people who are not full time at our workplace as well, right? Who only work like point, um, you know, point four, point six, etc. So just a few days yes. a week. I mean, it seems like there's still a demand for pharmacists. So the, according to a lot of people, like pharmacy is one of the professions where there's a high chance of finding employment when you graduate. Do you guys agree with that? Yeah. I mean, it's still... In comparison I, to like engineer? I would say right. so. Yeah. Even I mean, if you I, didn't have your own... Sorry, Cecilia. No, um, go ahead. Okay. Even if you don't have your dream job per se, you could probably still find a job if you are willing to move out of town. Um, I know in Alberta, if you move to the north, you got you, there's actually like a extra uh, reimbursement that's sort of like added to your salary for just simply working in the north. Uh, there's also floating positions that you can take where you're floating or, you know, moving between uh, different pharmacies throughout the city or throughout um, smaller um, towns or or cities that are outside your major city. So there's still opportunity for getting employment. It just might not be exactly what you want, like a stable one location, nine to five job. I did that for a while when I after I first graduated. I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. I liked, so how I liked far did you to... have to go? Not that far. I think the furthest was um, like Cold Lake, which is about three hours um, away from Edmonton. But I enjoyed it. It was kind of like a mini vacation to these small towns. So some which of them you like otherwise would not have. Gone yeah, exactly. To. Right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's so, sightseeing yeah. in a way. Right. And it's then like you a get a free mini vacation. Free yeah, because they, they usually pay for like your accommodations and your food. So and you're usually not there for like, you know, you know, you're not there just for the one day. You're usually there for a full week to cover someone who's on vacation. So, you know, if you're like, you know, young and want to explore, then it's it's actually kind of nice to to do that. And I know some people who actually like that kind of uh like that kind of um I guess freedom because you're not really tied down to a specific store. It's less stressful. You just kind less of go in. Exactly. You just do the day's work and then you're gone, right? So it's like come back um next time and talk to the manager. I'm not exactly. a regular here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's like yeah, exactly. No responsibility. But you see like I think in the past where we used to be so spoiled with if you commute for an hour, you have the option of staying at that particular location and just rent a hotel and the company would pay for you. Nowadays, oh, yeah, and they also I pay think, for your gas. They pay for your mileage. Yeah, but nowadays, really nice. is like if you're commuting about an hour, I think a lot of company now, they would require you to drive back and forth. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Oh, so, I mean, you actually have tough. to like enjoy driving. But it's mm -hmm. definitely if you know if you want to guarantee finding a job after you graduate, pharmacy would be you know will give you a very um, high chance of able to find a job because I remember reading this ABC News article and it say like pharmacist is like fifth place out of twenty jobs that offer the best return in terms of like investing in college. Um, they That's say you know yeah like I mean. Typically, like, do you guys want to go straight to the average salary of what pharmacists make? And we could, you know, does that tie in right now? Well, sure. yeah, sure, yeah. 
Yeah. Okay. Because I mean, you know, most of the times you graduate, like we discussed earlier, we're gonna like our weight kind of stay stagnant. So we graduate. You depends on how many hours you get. You're looking at about ninety to one hundred twenty thousand annual um a salary. Does mm-hmm. that sound fair? I in think terms so. Of, um, yeah, I think that's yeah. pretty accurate. That's a reasonable, reasonable wage. Wage. I mean, Not- compared to like how much now in terms of like twenty thousand a year for tuition, with expenses and stuff, four years of university, coming out you have like a hundred thousand dollar in debt, roughly. <laughs> so, sad. so sad. <laughs> I had to. So like, when you I put mean, it like that, it's really. Sad. Well, if you stay at home, you don't have to pay yeah. rent and, you know, your parents help with the food and stuff. So you could definitely pay this off in like one or two years if you like, you know, don't spend much money. That's true. So in that sense, you know, the returns are pretty great for for a pharmacy degree. If you, you know, high chance of finding employment, the salary starting out with is pretty high. Like we discussed, if you're able to have someone to support you, definitely, you you know, you can totally be debt-free within two or three years if, you know, if you don't really have too much expense. Yeah. That's two to true. three years sounds more reasonable. One I think so. year I was like, oh, I think the tax <laughs> is going to take away about half of our salary. So that yeah. is the sad now with, part. With that say, though, I think it depends on where you, you live because... I heard, you know, in Ontario, like the wage for pharmacists is not as great as Alberta, for example, right? So then it might I've heard take that too. To, yeah, so I mean, maybe that 90,000 is not a really reasonable number. Maybe you might have to go down to like 80, mm-hmm. which is not that high, to be honest. By the time they take away tax, mm-hmm. yeah, you like, don't get you come that down much. to like 50,000. Right. Which I is heard, not much. Yeah, I heard some pharmacists are actually being offered $28 per hour in, in Ontario. So that's actually that less crazy. Oh yeah, because that, that's actually less than what um, some of the pharmacy technicians uh, make in Alberta. So that's actually really upsetting to hear. Yeah. And what is the minimum wage in Alberta nowadays? I thought it was like $15. That's so like twenty eight right? from fifteen is like why go to school <laughs> like why spend oh, all that time right, right? Yeah. just to make like thirteen dollar extra and you pay like all the tax back exactly <laughs> and you get so many responsibilities like we we yeah, have so many and you have to yeah yeah we have uh, so many uh, areas where we can make a mistake that could you know be potentially like life threatening so why would you get paid twenty eight dollars to make these decisions that could uh, you know get you sued or or you oh know, my uh, gosh let's talk about working yeah. conditions of a pharmacist working conditions because like, you know how most of the times new grads come out right we're talking about how hospital is so competitive right. so pretty much you're gonna be likely to be working in community like the majority of pharmacists that graduate that's true yeah and you know we all have experience in community pharmacy like what do you guys think about the working conditions in terms of like lunch break like, you know, work and life balance, did you find, um, you know, was that an issue with you guys in a community Community. setting before? Yeah. Well, I actually love, uh, I loved community, uh, which is funny because I'm not working in it right now, but I actually realized I I like being in community as a pharmacy student and not so much as a pharmacist because Uh, as a pharmacist, you actually don't get a lunch break or even a pee break. 
so that's yeah, that's you're terrible. Just worked, you're just worked. <laughs> oh, uh, you just evoked all these memories. Right? They're painful memories. I remember mm-hmm. some days after I first graduated, I would come back home after an eight-hour shift, and then my parents would be like, but you brought your lunch back and you haven't eaten it. And I'm like, yeah, now I'm too tired. I'm not going to eat it. <laughs> oh and then gosh. I would go pee for the first time that day. So, well, I guess second time. The first time is before your shift. Right. So, right in the morning. Like dark yellow. <laughs> <laughs> okay, TMI. TMI. Right? No, she's literally my spirit animal because right? I was thinking that. The only thing I will add to that is that sometimes when yep. you hold it in for too long, oh, no. not only Do you does get it come leakage? down dark and yeah, dark yellow <laughs> yeah. but it, it's shy to come out actually oh, you actually have while. to sit there and it just has <laughs> to you have to almost like retrain your bladder it's okay you can to go now your muscles let your let 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 the muscle go you can relax you can and do just it. Let it and then it's like a yeah. trickle and then it burns because oh. you are holding it in so long it's almost like a uti is forming yeah i, I like remember are, are you sure it's yeah, not yeah. Like you're describing symptoms of a uti you know it's like dark yellow it burns yeah <laughs> yeah so it, it smells but just kidding <laughs> isn't this kind of like a kugel exercise well um, not really for your bladder like, <laughs> i guess you're not you're not able to relax the muscles so <laughs> you're you're just uh continuously yeah. holding Flexing it them. in so yeah yeah oh yeah. those were the bad days man those were but the what bad about days. the work-life balance like do you find that after outside work do you bring work home or you know whatever you finish work pretty much stays at work do you find that you know there's a work-life balance as a I community pharmacist well, I, I found that sometimes I would bring work home, like, you know, uh, in Alberta, at least there's a lot of push towards uh, doing like medication reviews. So mm-hmm. um, like sometimes I would uh, take stuff, well, like I would bring home stuff to look up. So that that was something that I would bring home just to make sure I was like staying on top of guidelines and stuff and making like recommendations. How often would you find ah, that you spend mm, on your own time doing that? In I don't a know, week? maybe like, how many like hours, like a couple hours, not, not too much. Not too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So Cecilia just means um, clinically looking up things for patients exactly, and not yeah. bringing home like patient specific information or any patient. Yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah making, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Just looking at like uh, marking down stuff to look up. So like what are just, the most yeah. Sure, yeah. blood pressure guidelines, high blood pressure guidelines and stuff like that. It's like staying up to date, kind of like a CE. Exactly. Yeah. But like patient specific. Yeah, yeah. So, mm-hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of professions where they also have to, you know, do work when they get home too, mm-hmm. which I find mm-hmm. as a pharmacist, like if you are like a regular staff pharmacist or a relief pharmacist, you're less likely having to, you know, bring work home. But if you take on the responsibility of like a pharmacy manager, then definitely I think most manager has, you know, a oh, lot they do. of a lot of extra a lot of scheduling and and like paperwork right especially when it comes to like yearly audits and the budget and things like that yeah Mm. definitely if you want the work-life balance then maybe reconsider picking up a a management Management. position if you (laughs) (laughs) if you don't want to like bring work home kind of thing like you know yeah because money is not everything and speaking what? of work-life balance, um, you know, one thing that is really tough about community pharmacy is that they often have to work a lot of weekends, right? And, oh, it's uh, terrible. Exactly. 
Especially when you only have like, um, you know, only several pharmacists per store, then you're working like basically every other weekend, which is really mm. depressing. Like the old days where they have so many uh, pharmacists, they would have overlaps, right? Now is like they cut out all the overlaps too. So which means oh. you mostly like when you graduate, there's a high chance that you're just going to be thrown in there and you have to kind of go with the flow. That was me. Like I never saw like any other pharmacist. And even if you do, it's for five minutes when you're like, okay, these are uh, the people coming back. Okay, bye. <laughs> so that's it. <laughs> Yeah, it's yeah. really tough being just like the sole pharmacist on duty. Uh, it, sure. it gets really busy when you're pulled in every single direction. Like one person wants you on the phone. They have the person needs like a first time counsel. This person needs to have uh, some over the blister counter. Blister packs checked. Yeah. Yeah. Blister mm -hmm. packs needs to be checked. This person, you know, wants Discharge. to know where's the toilet yeah. paper. So <laughs> where's lots, the of, lots of issues. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's like people pushing card. Can you ring this whole thing out for me? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. I know. <laughs> and it's not but, even you know, just uh, weekends because uh, there's a lot of rotating shifts, right? So you might need to work a lot of evening shifts. And also the other thing, unless you work for, you know, like an independent, um, uh, most pharmacies are actually open year round, right? So hardly, mm -hmm. holidays, hardly any of no them, holidays. Yeah, will shut holidays. down without holidays. That's actually especially like that's actually Christmas probably like a busier stuff. day. Yeah, right? forget yeah, about requesting exactly. it as a holidays. <laughs> <laughs> and especially um, nowadays, especially there's companies that open twenty four seven too, right? So if you have mm, no opportunity for jobs, then you might have to be like a night shift if that's your only option too. So if you're desperate for money, then that might be your only other option too is, you know, working night shift. Mm -hmm. um, so you have to be open to that potential of having to, you know, doing the midnight to like 8 a.m. shifts. And that would mean, is there still going to be a work-life balance for you, especially if you're a young person and, you know, trying to date in the real world? That's when you right. wake up and everyone is asleep kind of thing. <laughs> You're like a vampire. But actually, you know, we're talking about it as if it's a bad thing. But sometimes it can be a good thing if, um, you know, you no, like... No, so talk about work-related injuries. There's still so oh. much more. But some some people like uh, <laughs> like the evening shifts, right? And I know... Uh, like, oh, yeah. Because they might be quieter. Yeah, like one of the pharmacists I work with, uh, when she, like, uh, when she was um, actually, uh, like, she was just coming back from Matley, she actually quit... Uh, hospital and went to community because she could work evening shifts and then that way like her her husband could take care of the kids during um like during the night and then she could take care of the kids during the day so you save money on, on like daycare and you can spend time with your kids that way so it, it does offer some flexibility husband, though. as well yeah that's okay you know that's so sad <laughs> <laughs> that's all right <laughs> You can see your kids. Yeah. So, you know, if you do like, like, and some people do like, uh, you know, like working evening shifts or graveyards. So if you like uh, having like flexibility in work times and shifts, then pharmacy might be for you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, the, the shifts rotate. So you pick if you're night hours, definitely you have the option to work in a 24 hour store where you can volunteer maybe to work like the night shift. Um, but, you know, take that into account. There's also, they, I've heard a lot of, you know, after a while, when you work five, 10 years down later, there's a lot of people complaining of like carpal tunnel syndrome, varicose veins from standing up too long, 
um, and doing all these repetitive motions. So do you find that is one of the issue of pharmacy that don't get discussed very often in terms of, you know, what we do? And I've and heard of the... That definitely like the varicose veins or at least like the feet hurting because you're you're standing for long periods of time. So, uh, you know, that you definitely need at least like comfortable shoes or and I know some people actually have like compression stockings to to help prevent uh, varicose veins. So it's not a, it's not a usually a job where you can just sit there all day. So. Yeah. And then the like there's quite a few um, people who like even like assist like we're not as bad for as as much as assistance in a sense because they have to continuously twisting um, the caps and the bottles because they do on the filling and stuff so a lot of assistants I find they also complain that over times they they're getting like the repetitions of opening bottles so their arm and wrist are starting to hurt from that so in a sense there's a lot of you know every job has its own issue like working conditions and stuff and you know, we're just gonna, you know, present to you pretty much things that maybe some people don't talk about, so that you can have kind of a realistic aspect of what we do. Because a lot of people walk by the pharmacy, they look and they just think, oh, it's the guy or it looks like a cushy job. Woman. Yeah, it's like they just stand back there, like, do they even do anything? But you know, we do a lot behind the counter that no one gets to see unless you actually step behind, you can see the chaos of, you know, what's like, why it's so stressful kind of thing. The quiet exactly. and that's why yeah and that's why we you know the things that we do that's why we get paid you know decent amount to for all the suffering and <laughs> all the hardships that, that we that go we, through all the hardship <laughs> that we go through and you know and helping the community you know exactly i think it's the, the oh, medical knowledge piece. yeah with the medical knowledge and the assessment piece that we're able to do um that sort of one-on-one consultation providing um patients specific or you know cu- a cu- um customized patient information and we tailor it according to the patient's um I guess like medical different background needs and all that that's yeah. right so and i, I think- actually don't think that uh well, I think one good thing about pharmacy is that you're always using your brain, right? So I'm I'm usually not bored because there's always something new to look up or there's always like a different scenario or someone asks you about this medication or like natural health product or supplement that you've never heard of. So it's always a, a lot of research, a lot of uh, continuously using using your skills and, and your brain. So if, it's not a profession where I think you can get easily bored. Yeah, so hopefully it'll prevent Alzheimer's for all three of us uh, going That's forward right. here. No and here. I will just say, uh, in terms of my work-related injuries, I would say I did have the, the definitely sore, the sore feet, so you need a pair of comfortable shoes. But um, I never really thought that I had like that good of posture to begin with, with always carrying oh my gosh, yes. a backpack that was like, I don't three have good times posture either. my my width. Yeah. And so it kind of naturally made me hunch forward. But being in the dispensary, when you are leaning, you know, to downwards towards the the counter, the posture starts to slip a bit. So you really got to be careful. Backache is a very common thing. Second thing that I would say, ergonomics is a huge area. And that's why people get paid big bucks to figure this stuff out to figure out how to position those chairs in relation to the size of the or the height of the counter, um, having anti fatigue mats. You know, what's another 
a problem that we can have. And I get reminded of this every year when I go to optometrist. Your eyes, because you're staring this at a computer exactly all day. This is exactly what I was gonna say. Oh my gosh! I was like, yes. Yeah, exactly. I was like, your my glasses are gonna slip forward, forward, forward down to my nose, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, because your your eyesight is not being able to accommodate too far vision because you're looking at such close range stuff. Seriously, every time I go to the optometrist, I, I don't go very often anymore because they just tell me the same news every time. <laughs> your vision got worse. You need a new pair of glasses. I'm like, oh man, I don't have money for that. Yeah. I, well, are you I, sure it's not from you looking at your phone outside work? Huh? No, it's not. <laughs> nope, it's from this. I can tell you that. Um, yeah, you know, kids need to play outside. <laughs> and, and I need to remind myself of Less that screen. because I'm always in front of a computer screen. And my vision keeps getting worse and worse over the years. And I really don't want to figure out um, how bad it can actually get. Like I'm not in that I don't want to get into that race <laughs> to see how fa- how bad my vision can be. So yeah, folks, Please remember, and I'm I'm saying this for myself, please remember if you work an office job, get up, uh, look around, look far, look close. Like my mom says, look at something that's green as well to calm the eyes down. And, uh, you know, some people are also doing that, taking the route of um, the, what is that? They're standing as they work instead of sitting oh, down yes. at their office like desk. They have the desk, standing desk. Right. Yep. Yeah. So um, you can also do the. I think it's the twenty. What is it? The twenty 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 rule. So like every twenty minutes that you spend looking at a screen, you should try to look away at something that's twenty feet away from you for a total of twenty seconds. I need to do that. I I seriously don't do that. And you guys, my eyesight's getting worse and worse. Twenty. Would you consider LASIK? Me? Mm -hmm. No. That's another scary time. What if uh, you go blind, then you actually can't work as a pharmacist anymore? Anne actually got surgery there. You yeah, did? I, I highly recommend it. And then you don't oh. have to wear glasses anymore. The thing is that I'm sort of preserving it for when I'm like in the 40s, because then I might need it again. Oh, There's a high right? chance that 15, 20 years down the road, you might have to you know, wear glasses again if you don't maintain your eyesight. So... Hmm. 2020, you know, enjoy guys. it when you're young, though, right? Like if you're older, then what's the point? Why There's do I no... have to enjoy it when I'm young? There's contacts <laughs> for that. Like I'm okay. Fair enough. Ladies yeah. and gentlemen, glasses are good if you have eye bags. Let me tell you, there's times <laughs> when you don't want the world to see just how sad you look. And wow. Why do you look so sad? Dark. You could look happy. With eye bags? <laughs> yeah. You'll just look spent. Aww. It's okay. The key to the key to looking um to to if you are tired and you have eye bags is to have glasses and to smile. <laughs> then people are less likely to notice the size of your eye bags. It works great, trust me. Is also there, is, is there oh, any pharmacist that does not have glasses very often? Like is there yeah, a lot of pharmacists that doesn't a, wear glasses? Yeah, I think so. There's a few, yeah. So it's, I mean, I guess it varies, depends, because I mean, not everyone eyesight deteriorate over time then in that no, case. No, Let me tell you also, I think Asians are more likely to wear glasses than non-Asians. So I think it's just Why something in that? our genetic. Oh, okay. Because well, we are, I, because we are trained from little to read a lot. <laughs> 
I have to substantiate this and do research, but apparently, this is what a doctor told me, actually. He said that Asians are actually born with shorter eyeballs, so literally, you can't, um, where that focal range, yeah, meets up behind, I'm not sure if it's behind the retina or what, but it doesn't fall in line where it's actually supposed to, so that's why uh, you tend to have Asian kids that are nearsighted. A lot of Asians wear glasses now that you... Uh, how did you... How did they survive back that? then without glasses? I know. Then? It's crazy, right? You but don't. I you also just don't wonder, see. <laughs> they just don't see. They just and don't this see. this is probably it. They probably just need to see what's in front of them, which is not far to do, like, whatever task they're doing. But um, I think maybe because most people are doing, like, more screen time nowadays. So a lot of people are wearing glasses because they spend too much time on looking at the screen like you know with tiktoks mm-hmm. instagram and all that yeah like everyone eyesight is deteriorating like optometry is a good question to go into should we save that for <laughs> another day <laughs> yes. i heard that it wasn't i heard that it was actually dropping in terms of the number of um, optometrists that are actually like finding jobs or or whatever because a lot of business is actually moving online right like as oh. long as you can get that prescription in so Most cheap. of their sales is actually from the sales of glasses. Definitely. So, yeah, that's why I, 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 I'm not going to say too much, but um, I'll, I'll just leave it at that. But do you want to go over the good. stat of uh, like compared to other healthcare professionals in terms of job growth then? Yeah, sure. So doing a little bit of research here, it looks like the projected overall job growth by the year 2029 for pharmacy compared to other health care uh, fields. If you have a PharmD, it seems like there is going to be a negative growth rate of 3.3% oh, no. by 2029. Hmm. And um, if you are a medical doctor, though, that one always seems to be, you know, a no-brainer positive growth plus 4% is what's projected. If you're a nurse, uh, then there is actually a whopping plus 45% projected growth by 2029. Uh, If you're a dentist, it's plus 3%. If you're a vet, then they're projecting that to be plus 16%. This actually surprises me, actually, because I thought that the growth rate or, uh, you know, the intake of people getting pets would be always roughly the same. No, Uh, it's gone up so much since COVID. I know, yeah, but is this up. projected based off of COVID alone? <laughs> no. That in no, nine years not. or eight yeah. years, all the dogs will be sick? Actually, <laughs> that's actually possible. Oh, I that's guess a possibility. So. They're, they're elderly. Right? elderly. Yeah, they're elderly then. <laughs> yeah, geriatric <laughs> pets. That's right. Physiotherapy is plus 18%. And correct so me f- if I'm wrong, if that's not what PT yeah, is. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, Form D is looking not very good compared to the other healthcare careers. Yeah, eh? the general trend is that everything else is positive, but if you were to get a PharmD, that's looking in the negative. That's the bottom line here. And if we try to break it down even further, we can actually look at the pharmacist area of practice. So this is projected, of course, but they're thinking that in retail, there's going to be negative growth of 9.6% uh, for job growth there. For hospital, moderate moderate increase of plus 4.1% for something called ambulatory care, which is kind of um, 
well, at least in Alberta, they probably would be working in a hospital, but it's just, it's not an inpatient, it's ambulatory. So these patients are in and out of the hospital. They're not actually admitted um, as an inpatient at a hospital. That one is actually seeing a pretty healthy projected growth of plus 20.5%. And then there's this silo, this uh, magical realm that uh, not very many pharmacists know about um, that kind of remains like a kind of like a Pandora's box that I'm kind of curious about, but it's industry actually. And that one's sitting at like plus 11.8%, which is interesting. So this is where like a lot of those manufacturers of uh, drug companies, they will hire a pharmacist for industry as like uh, for quality control or a sales rep or for part of their research and development team. So there, there is a lot of opportunity for um, pharmacists to go into the non-traditional um, traditional path yeah. for finding jobs to stay as a pharmacist. I'm not surprised that retail, you know, based on what we discussed about the working condition and such, I'm not surprised that that's a decrease in people wanting to stay in retail. I mean, you know, 10 years later, I think I'm pretty jaded from working in retail. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so it might be. <laughs> so I, that number does not surprise me. What about you guys? Like, which is, did that surprise you? That is the demand minus for it is like almost. minus 10 roughly? In that no, setting? I don't. And also, I think, well, Alberta, putting putting a little um, shout out there for Alberta, but we're kind of uh, advanced in terms of our technicians and, and our their recognized scope of practice because we have regulated technicians here. They're pretty much able to do about like half what of what pharmacists traditionally used to do before, which are things like um, check, checking prescriptions, like doing the final check on prescriptions. Um, and possibly even doing injections one day. I think that mm-hmm. that in, is coming down. In the Ontario, pipeline. it's actually they allow to do injections now. That's in awesome. Ontario. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. pharmacists so, still do like the assessment of the patient and decide the they're able to exactly, exactly decide if they're able to get the injection and, and all of that. But like um the technical part, like administering the injection, that's definitely something that regulated technicians can do once they receive the proper training. So that's really good. Yeah. Do you guys also that's really exciting that? for them? It is. Yeah. Do you guys also think that there's like more, you know, like with online pharmacies that are popping up nowadays, like uh, brick and mortar stores uh, will disappear? Yeah, I think so. I mean, most people want to cut down on costs, right? And if the same thing, if online pharmacy offer cheaper services, then a lot of people, I think eventually is going to migrate there. Yeah. In that row. And it's more convenient too for the patients, right? So and yeah, it's like faster with automations, right? So um, you know, t- ten years from now, a lot of things can change, right? Technology keep improving, so I think a lot of you know the role that pharmacy that is traditionally take, like in terms of like you know, the dispensary part could be replaced by like automation, and What's- we just have like a you know a remote pharmacist just do the clinical checking and approving that before it go into the filling stage and that's about it of uh, the pharmacy involvement in that section. I think if we wanted to nerd out on this topic, it could be a podcast episode on its own because there's this huge ethical debate then about like what the delineation of patient care actually is then. Sure, you can be doing like the final check on prescriptions, but 
do you actually have a full picture of what medications the patient's on without actually talking to them if you want to actually streamline this, automate it, and make it fast for the patients? Uh, counseling is also another issue then because you wouldn't have that personalized information and does a patient even understand what the heck they're getting? Yeah. Um, I think it's definitely thi- uh, a topic that could be a whole podcast Anyways. episode on its own, right? Because mm-hmm. like telemedicine is becoming a thing where you can you can actually get certain prescriptions like birth control or like acne medications or, or um, you know, like genital herpes treatments, things like that. You can just get it online through telemedicine where you fill out a form and then um, a prescriber goes through the form but you don't actually get that interaction. And then um, you can get your medication either just mailed to you directly or they can send their prescription to your pharmacy. But all of this is done without actually physically seeing a healthcare practitioner. Is this so, the name of the of the online pharmacy, telemedicine, or is that like the no telemedicine is of... the is the practice of it? Uh, yeah, okay, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. And actually, yeah, online pharmacies. There was actually a. They attempted to do online pharmacies back then too, like probably around like 2010 or like mid to like 2005, that type type or that time era. And I had heard that actually there was a Canadian online pharmacist that was um, a pharmacy that was actually um, charged because I think there were issues with like, I guess it was the legalities of like where the prescriptions actually coming in in terms of like who's actually prescribed, who's a doctor and all of this other stuff. And I think there was some insurance things too. Um, but anyways, like I said, I think this is a very interesting topic that we could probably explore um, in greater detail all on its own. Yeah. So I guess we'll get back to being a pharmacist then. So overall, being pharmacist is not a very easy job I think and it depends on your workplace it could be quite stressful um what's let's discuss the skills like someone want to list out what some of the skills you think um a person should be good at in order to be a you know a successful, successful pharmacist, pharmacist. Uh, effective yeah. pharmacist you need to you multitask spit out some that's a good one yeah, because you always need to prioritize what's the most important like thing that you need to deal and with. Patient yeah, angry patients. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so definitely and most pharmacists. Needs... Most pharmacists sorry. Oh no! Yeah, I mean most pharmacists. I think is like the environment is pretty like fast moving pace. So you definitely have to be on your feet. So you definitely you need to you know move fast. You cannot walk like a, a turtle and, and think. <laughs> Don't drink your feet. What if I want to walk like a turtle? What if I actually can't walk fast? Then you might have to consider opening your own pharmacy. (laughs) And hiring people to work for you. And you won't get fired that way. Oh my gosh. I think you also need lots of leadership skills because you're actually overseeing a lot of staff, right? So you're uh, overseeing like uh, pharmacy assistants, um, over-the-counter staff, and also pharmacy technicians. So you're basically leading a team. So I actually think you need leadership skills into like directing people and what to do and how to do their job most effectively. That's a good point. I also think it's very important that you should possess patience and the ability to stay calm and work under pressure. Uh, We sort of alluded to this before, but there's lots of interruptions where you're being pulled in many different directions, counseling, uh, phone consults, drug questions. This person needs an injection. So definitely need to be able to stay calm despite all of the different things that you're going to have to do. 
Yeah, don't panic. Like, I don't know if I've ever seen a pharmacist walk out in the job before. Have you guys? No. I've seen someone not show up, but that was kind of a different matter, which I will not get into. Yeah, yeah. but I guess it's doable because, it, you know, it hasn't gotten to the point where pharmacists would, you know, just had enough, walk out of the job. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> you don't be the first, okay? Yeah, yeah. let's not be the first here. <laughs> But so, in, I mean, based on all this, do you think there will always be a need for pharmacists down the road, like 10 years later? I think so. I think so. this is a very interesting... Is it still inter- worth coming into pharmacy? Like, you know, going, like, pursuing the pharmacy school role? Like, it's four years, right? And then another one or two before that. So for some people, six years later, you don't want to graduate and not find a job. Mm-hmm. So I guess the important question is, will there be a need for pharmacists 10 years later for you when you graduate? I think so. Like, uh, even when we talk about automation and expanded scope for practice for pharmacy technicians who are able to do things like checking prescriptions, like we still need the clinical practice of pharmacists, right? Because we're the only ones who really have training into dealing with drug interactions um, and um, like different things like, you know, managing um you know, complicated disease states. So like for elderly populations, um, we get the most training in terms of the types of medications that are available and new medications. So there's always new medications coming out that we will need to keep educated on. So I don't, and also like uh, Valerie talked about earlier, the counseling part, I don't think that can be automated either because with, uh, with a lot of different patients, like how you counsel them is different depending on, you know, their their background and their di- specific disease and and uh, their specific comorbidities and all of that. So still, I think you still need the personalized touch of a pharmacist. I agree. I mean, and especially they say the, the older populations are getting older, right? And we all know older people uh, tend to be on a lot of medications so because of that, like, there's going to be a need for pharmacists for each older person. There's going to be a, a pharmacist involved in the care plan here. So I exactly. can't imagine, like, you know, pharmacist job being, you know, depleted by machinery and technicians. So I think the profession is still pretty safe to go into. And I think so. Yeah, I agree. The job-wise is, is you know, pretty safe 10 years later because pharmacist probably gonna do more things yeah who knows we might be able to prescribe more um if you know if the government and such want to save money but definitely we're not taking over the doctor job now that's another topic but you know our scope will be expand definitely um so there yeah i'm pretty sure there's always going to be jobs for pharmacists yeah i just think it'll look different than what it might look like right now so people will have to uh be able to shift their mindset into possibly like going into a job that's different than what they might have thought they were going into so this is good that uh, people are listening to this podcast because I know even for people in my class some some were surprised by the different types of things that we were learning because I remember one guy in my class said oh I I just wanted to graduate from pharmacy and just count pills all day and be happy (laughs) with that so why are we learning about all this like you know advanced scope and prescribing and all this so you know it's, it's good to to be have an open mindset to uh, a different type of job that pharmacists might be doing in the near future 
Yeah, so that's a good point. Let's go on to what what pharmacists can actually do. Now, for those who live in Alberta, which is one of the provinces in Canada, where pharmacists have a lot of ability to do a lot of things, a lot of power, yes. So in Alberta, a lot of pharmacists can actually prescribe. So if you need like a nicotine replacement therapy, like smoking cessation consult, um, travel medications, or chronic disease management, or if you have like, um, you know, uncomplicated UTIs and you know other not major conditions you can totally go straight to the the pharmacy and you know, the pharmacist can actually like prescribe something for you um, saving you all that time waiting at the doctor's uh, walk-in clinic for example that's true there is a lot of specialized um, knowledge that the pharmacist can acquire through specific educational programs that makes them like certified educators in that particular topic. You know, one of the things that uh, sort of um, on a, a leaf from the same branch that you're talking about for and about what pharmacists can do is that pharmacists can actually do some diagnostic tests. So things like testing for strep throat, uh, COVID test is actually something that's relatively new that uh, pharmacists that were actually able to help out with. And in the community as well, the job description has definitely expanded in terms of what the pharmacists can do. Uh, so I think some of you listeners pro- probably have seen this, but we're, we play a huge role in the participation of like health programs for, you know, smoking cessation or like high blood pressure control, all of these um, and some other um chronic health conditions, uh, for the prevention of um, certain health conditions. We participate in public health activities, such as immunizations, where this requires the pharmacist actually doing assessments, like Cecilia said, and then actually administering the injections. So we participate in a huge number of immunization campaigns. We're talking about like COVID vaccines. As you have probably known, lots of pharmacies participated in that during this pandemic. Uh, every single year, there's a huge push for flu vaccines among all of the community pharmacies, uh, travel vaccines, uh, other required vaccines. Uh, we do shingles vaccines, Gardasil, Depo-Provera, birth control injections. That's what the Depo-Provera is. Uh, Prolia, like the list just goes on and on. Yeah, yeah. So it's like pharmacists can do a lot of things nowadays. And um yeah, so I mean, we can also do like the screenings for osteoporosis. We can adapt prescription, renew prescription, extend prescription, whatever you need. A lot of things now, pharmacists can actually, you know, uh, help you stay on the right track in terms of health condition, and you know, refer back to your doctor as needed if the 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 issue is more complicated and more severe for sure and i I would definitely sorry i just want to make one more point that definitely the pharmacist is like a jack of all trades we know a little bit of everything um and and definitely like i said there's you know certified educational programs where you're actually the master of um whatever particular topic that you actually studied in but 
yeah, on Anne's point, we're providing like consultation on issues that range from everything, you know, asthma, diabetes, smoking cessation, heart health, depression, pain management, weight loss, nutrition. So uh, definitely we're a wealth of information. We are. Yeah. And anticoagulant management too. So uh, pharmacists do a lot of things. So if you don't have a, a pharmacy that you go to, maybe trying to pick a, a particular pharmacist that you like, and then they get to know you. And then yep. it's, it's always recommended to stick to one pharmacy so that they kind of know your whole your whole and background help you out a little bit more. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And they're able to look at your other medications. Like if you want to start something new, um, you know, even if it's over the counter, there's still possible drug interactions and um, interactions with like medical conditions that you might have. So if they know your complete health history, then it's just easier for them to make recommendations. To prescribe and, and all that. Exactly. Too, yeah. So yeah, it's always good to stick with the the one pharmacy. And it, and um, I don't I don't know if it's the same across Canada, but definitely for um. Alberta as well. You can even look up um, on on websites like what uh, what additional certifications uh, your community pharmacist has. So, for example, if you have diabetes, it might be a good idea to go with someone who has like a certified diabetes educator certificate, right? So, they can just offer you a little bit more specialized knowledge. And I just wanted to, you know, I was looking up some statistics and I just wanted to bring that up. So according to the NAPRA website, so in 2021, Canada actually has about uh, 45,637 uh, licensed pharmacists. And of those, um, we have 43,686 licensed practicing pharmacists. And out of those, about 70% work in community pharmacies, 15% work in hospitals, and 15% work in settings like the pharmaceutical industry or government, associations, colleges, universities, etc. It sounds like what we just discussed earlier, the majority are, are employed in the retail, like community pharmacy. So 70% is a whooping amount of number. It is a stressful to work in a community pharmacy like we discussed. Um, so make sure, you know, you do your dil diligence, shadow a pharmacist if you have to, just to see what the work environment is before you commit it, if you're not quite sure if pharmacy is the right career for you. That's right. And, you know, it, it is stressful working community pharmacy as well, but it's also quite stressful working in, in hospital as well. So um, especially if you're like working in a clinical setting, you become a member of that uh, medical care team and you might be responsible for uh, taking care of certain patients and making recommendations for, for those particular patients. So you really have to be on your A game and make sure you're up to date on, on the particular guidelines and all of that. So different stresses in different uh, environments, but uh, just make sure that it's if this is something that you're thinking of doing, make sure you do your research. Do you find that community is more physical stress, like in, like physically more tiring and then can be, uh, like hospital is more like mentally tiring because you have to like know how to respond to the doctors like you know like that yeah. kind of thing in a in a hospital. I think that's actually a, probably a pretty fair assessment because in you know we were talking about how in community you're standing all day in hospital is actually kind of the opposite. You're mostly sitting unless unless you're going on rounds then then you might be moving a little bit more. But but there's definitely a lot of more um, I guess uh, sitting and sedentary work in in hospitals. But you definitely do use um, your research skills and your um, your I guess. Uh, your therapeutics a little bit more. 
since you guys have like experience in both world, if you like, just do you prefer one over the other? I think they both have their merits. I, I will okay. say I like hospital because uh, I like having lunch breaks and getting to go to the bathroom. So <laughs> <laughs> it, it takes care of my physical needs. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I mean, and some people, if you happen to have diabetes, right? Like community pharmacy might be too tough because your sugar is going to be out of whack because you're not going to be able to eat at the regular schedule as, as, as would be, you know, if you're a diabetic. So, yeah. But I mean, do you want to comment on other industry if, you know, community is not the right one for you or hospital might not be the right one for you? You want to kind of give the listeners some options in what other industry we, they can consider? Yeah, like you can also work in like um, educational settings as well. And also like Valerie mentioned earlier, you can also work in the industry. So that might include things where you're uh, looking at uh, pharmacy practice research and being involved in the development of drug products. You could also be involved in like the production, marketing, quality control, or sales departments of the pharmaceutical firms. So that's another option as well. Uh, you could also be involved in giving classes and educating other healthcare providers about appropriate drug use. And uh, there's also roles where you can um, be part of um, advocating or policy development or uh, government relations, association management. So different. Uh, there's definitely a lot of different opportunities out there. And that's actually one of the reasons why I actually went into pharmacy in the first place, because there's a lot of versatile uh, roles and a lot of different job settings for pharmacists. It's not just limited to the two that we most often commonly see, like community and hospital. There's there's a very uh, varied um, uh roles in, in terms of jobs they might just be a little bit harder to come by like you definitely have to have experience or or know the right people to get into these positions but they are there if you want to seek them out like those jobs don't tend to involve working with people as much like maybe do you find that working with people is like the most stressful part of being a pharmacist mm, i guess that's Probably a stressful part of a lot of uh, different jobs. jobs. Yeah, <laughs> I, I like working with people. Actually, I like the social interaction. So uh, I don't think it's terribly stressful, but it it definitely keeps you on your toes because you might have to deal with difficult difficult patients or uh, angry doctors. A lot of exactly, yeah. a lot of workplace drama. Someday I just want to sit in a cubicle and just do not talk to me. Nobody talk to me. <laughs> I wish that was an option. <laughs> but no, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. Have you guys seen any stats on in regarding to stress level of pharmacists? Okay, well, I guess, Anne, when you mention the word stress or other stress, there is that possibility of a malpractice suit. So that's pretty stressful. So for the listeners, this is basically when a patient can maybe develop an adverse reaction or potentially, you know, in the worst case scenario, even dies from a prescription drug error, the pharmacist may sometimes be held liable for for that um, loss. So they end up getting a malpractice suit handed to them. So it's really, you have to be just careful and 
be 100% accurate to prevent this from happening. But we all know that that's not the case where humans, so errors do happen. We're not robots, so we're not perfect. Uh, so sometimes where these errors can happen is things like misreading prescriptions or dispensing the wrong drug that has a very similar sounding name. You could maybe give the incorrect dose of a medication to the patient or overlooking or disregarding a potential drug interaction that um, involves other drugs that the patient is actually on. Or I've also heard about cases where the patient was on some medications that's actually not listed on their drug file uh, because they're maybe getting it at another pharmacy or it's not listed in the uh, provincial um, medication I guess, software program that's or portal or database that's actually used, or they don't disclose that information to you, or you didn't ask. So that sometimes occurs as well. There's also this situation where potentially a pharmacist could actually fail to give adequate counsel to patients regarding some of these drug interactions and how to actually manage it. What does it actually mean to them? Is this something that I need to be concerned about? Do I need to modify the way that I take Um, a particular drug to counteract this um, potential drug interaction? Or do I need to hold it for a particular period of time? And what are those side effects that I might experience um, that I need to look for for to avoid this um, drug interaction or to flag it when I actually need to to another healthcare professional? Or lastly, just demonstrating improper judgment related to uh, the dosage or duration or the clinical appropriateness of uh, the drug itself. So it's really a lot of things that a pharmacist has to actually um, keep in mind. Like you're, uh, it's almost like you're um, driving on the road where there's, but there's like a lot of things being thrown at you that you have to dodge. Like there's a lot of things that decisions that actually have to be made. So unfortunately it's not like, it's not like flying a plane where once you're actually up in the air on cruise control, there's like not very many um, buttons or errors or anything like that, that can actually happen because the map is actually laid out. Your, your uh, uh, path is actually laid out for you already by other um, professionals that are working behind the scenes. Like this is just you in the picture here. So definitely got to remain sharp for that. So probably the stress for that potential of um, being sued is, is one thing that a pharmacist has to, has to uh, deal with. But you know, surprisingly, like despite all this stress associated with being a pharmacist, I found something that say the pharmacy field has an overhaul High level of job satisfaction. Oh, have you guys seen seen that? I thought that also like said... people actually, you know, very impressed with pharmacy and well, everyone's good. happy. Yeah, I, I also I thought it said that like the most satisfied pharmacists are actually the ones who don't work in patient care areas. So, what what do you guys think of that? <laughs> hmm. People are stressful. <laughs> I would agree to that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, don't get us wrong. Like we love talking to patients, like we love helping people, right? That's why most people go into pharmacy is to help people. But there's a lot of like, you know, stress involved when you deal with, uh, you know, patients and and people because everyone has different personality. Everyone, you know, has, you know, react differently to things and... 
And I find Working sometimes... Working people is quite stressful. Yeah, sometimes they might have unrealistic demands. So uh, it might not be something that you as a pharmacist can necessarily help with. But I guess that's part of the fun too, like knowing what kind of resources to direct people to. Because uh, that that's just, I guess, I think that's just a common theme in healthcare, hey, where you might not be the most appropriate person to help them with like this specific problem, but you can always direct them to to the appropriate resources. So... Yeah. I also want to add this point as well that for pharmacies and pharmacists and pharmacy technicians, pharmacy assistants, oftentimes the pharmacy is like the last thing that's preventing the patient from going home. Oh my gosh, yes. So, so people are already or, angry at you. Or they're in a rush already. Yeah. So even if they're dropping off their prescription, then they they want it, you know, done fast. It's because we're sort of like the last stop. And so they might have had a long day already, um, might have a lot of things that they have to do at home. So I think, um, you know, some it's, it's fairly common to encounter patient scenarios where you get grumpy patients because they just want their uh, medications. And it's totally understandable, right? I mean, like they're fatigued and they have a lot of stuff to do, but, um, and it just kind of shows in their, in their behaviors or in what they say. So um, I think that part of it is stressful. And then the other piece of it, too, um, in talking about stress of dealing with uh, in patient care areas, not so much in the hospital setting, but more so when the community is dealing with insurance, because it's their hard money or hard earned money. So they want to just make sure they're looking after their interest, right? So um, it's upsetting for them when things aren't covered when they think it should be or when they have when the pharmacist says, Oh, we can't actually dispense this yet, because uh, there needs to be a special authorization on this before it gets covered. So it's not going to be right away or today that you actually get this. It's they don't understand that. And it's not something that they a world that they really um, know right off the bat, right? So it's understandable why it's like that. But just you know, we're we're often at the receiving end of their uh, emotional reactions to um, whatever um, issue that they're experiencing. So, but at the same time, we also act as like their friends and like their counselor counselors in some way, right? Because they yep. um, often comes to us yep. first for those, and we can yeah tell them and direct them where they need to go for this. So, uh, like a voice of calm, essentially. Wanted to get into this point, too, because when we're talking about stress, like despite the high level of stress that is reported, uh, apparently actually only 6% of pharmacists surveyed saw themselves leaving the professions. That's super interesting. Hey, so really low. Yeah, I think because as a pharmacist, you can actually get a fairly decent work-life balance. I know that we were talking about it before, but generally speaking, unless you're maybe like a manager of a pharmacy like Anne had mentioned, there's actually not a lot of work that you have to bring home like other professionals, like lawyers or accountants might have to do. Uh, so I, yeah. would, I would say like working with patients is very rewarding and you do have time to still pursue your own uh, personal goals and actually have a life outside of work. So you get to have that as a um, extra benefit and rewards of choosing the pharmacy as a profession. Yeah. What attracted you to like what attracted me to pharmacy to be honest here is 
pretty much the pay. I want to get into professions <laughs> where it's going to guarantee me a job, right? And you know, you don't want to be an unemployed and graduate and have like a hundred thousand dollar in debt, in debt, like art student, for example. Oh, like, exactly. Yeah, and you can earn that six figure income, which is very attractive. Yeah, and I mean, if you could handle the multitasking and the stress sometimes that involve, but it's it comes with every profession. Like every job has like stress, right? Um, pharmacy is not it's not a bad job. Yeah, it certainly isn't. And I wanted to also give the listeners teach you guys a Cantonese phrase that someone actually taught me before. They actually described the job of pharmacist as ti fan wun. So literally, that means translates to like steel rice bowl. So what is that? <laughs> the expression is to say like it's it's a rice bowl, so it feeds you. This is and it's <laughs> it's always being replenished with with rice. So you have an unending supply of a never ending supply of rice, and that's like your income or your money, right? And it's made out of steel because steel is indestructible. There's also so another never it, break. It'll never break. So essentially, it's saying it's an indestructible, like, bowl of rice, an indestructible money maker, where it's you know easy for you to find a job, um, and, and you will be fed for life, and job security. Exactly. Hmm. So I, I would, yeah, tit fan wun, Cecilia. You can probably say it one more time for the listeners, just so that they actually get the proper accent. I think you said it really good. Tit fan wun. Very good. Very good. Thank you. <laughs> so with all that being sa- said, uh, people will probably be wondering, should I still pursue pharmacy school? So, you know, let's talk about that. Uh, so if you like the following things, you should definitely still pursue this as a career path. If you like helping people, if you enjoy lifelong commitment to learning, if you like challenges, if you're able to work well with others, because like we said, if a lot of these jobs involve uh, working as part of a team. And lastly, if you're able to handle stress and if you're able to remain calm and adapt to different situations, then pharmacy may be a good choice for you. Yeah. And before you consider a pharmacy as a career, there's also the options of maybe uh, volunteering your time at a pharmacy and make sure you enjoy every aspect of it, just so that you know the reality of what your job entails, and you know, and see if you can handle that. I suppose if it's one thing that we want to impart our listeners with is just to realize the importance of choosing a career that you're going to love and that you won't get tired of or burned out. After working at that same job for for ten years plus, yeah, a lot of a lot of pharmacists get burned out, especially with the COVID uh, vaccines rollout and stuff. So you know, definitely make sure you know what you get into and make sure that you can handle because you don't want to, you know, regret your decision five years down the line. So with that say, I gonna have to go back to work, ladies. <laughs> that was Adios. a long break just kidding <laughs> <laughs> all right so make sure you tune in next month for our next episode ta-ta everyone bye btk army well that's the end of our segment thank you for supporting this podcast since this is a new podcast and we really want to expand our listeners to help us do that we would love for you to take a moment head to where you listen to our show and hit subscribe thank you for helping us get the word out we really appreciate it Curious Music is performed by Bonsai Mammal, written by Andrew Southwell and Jimmy Harry. 
The information, opinions, and recommendations presented in this podcast are for general information only and should not be taken as medical advice. As every individual is unique, please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. You got me through.